Hey there, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. Well, you've thought about doing your own podcast, let me tell you, it's not near as hard as it used to be. I launched a podcast back in 2008, and it was crazy difficult to get it listed everywhere where listeners were, which back then wasn't really that many places. But now, podcasts are everywhere, and with a platform like Buzzsprout, you can be all over the place with one click, plus a great-looking website, analytics, and more. That's why... We use Buzzsprout. So follow the link in the show notes, and that'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Plus, it helps support our show as well. Again, down in the show notes with Buzzsprout. Let's go. All right. Go ahead. The time is now. Let's do it. Here we go. This is the Ike Wingate Show. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Join the show now. Text 870-505-1518. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Ike Wingate. Good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Here we are on February 7th, 2024. Celebrity birthdays, this day in history, random facts coming up for you, as well as a woman rescued from a garbage truck. That's all on the way this hour. Into the next hour, caught doing good, a donated kidney, a naked potato peeler in Stranger Than Fiction, and we'll be talking law in studio with Thurman and Flanagan. Later today, cat fans will love this Super Bowl ad. And how middle-aged are you? We've got a list to see how you shake out on that. All that more coming up today on the show. Brought to you by Thurman and Flanagan, attorneys at law, online at ozarkjustice.com or call 479-253-1234. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your celebrity birthdays. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, and Isaiah Thomas is 35. Wouldn't that be Isaiah Thomas Jr., I think? Deborah Ann Wall, Karen Page on Marvel's Netflix series Daredevil's 39, Tina Majorino, who played Florence on Scorpion, and Mac on Veronica Mars, and Deb in Napoleon Dynamite. She's 39 today. Ashton Kutcher's 46, NBA Hall of Famer Steve Nash, 50, Suli Erna from Godsmack, 56, actor-comedian Chris Rock, 59, country music superstar Garth Brooks is 62 today. And Eddie Izzard, the British comedian who played the master thief Roman Nagel in Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13, is 62. James Spader from The Blacklist is 64. Robert Smigel, Triumph the Insult comic dog, 64 today as well. And on this day in history, Walt Disney's animated film Pinocchio premiered in New York in 1940. Due to a shortage of leather during World War II, the U.S. began rationing shoes... Limiting, limiting consumers to three pairs per person for the remainder of the year. That happened on this date in 1943. In 1949, Joe DiMaggio signed with the Yankees for $100,000, the first six-figure contract in the major leagues. Of course, the average salary now in baseball is $4 million. Okay. The movie Blazing Saddles released starring Mel Brooks in four different roles. Happened on this date in 1974. Mike Tyson married Robin Givens on this date in 1988. They were divorced about a year later. In an astonishing comeback at the Pebble Beach National Pro-Am, Tiger Woods got his sixth straight PGA Tour victory, becoming the first player since Ben Hogan in 1948 to win six in a row. That happened 
on this date in 2000. Rapper, big guy, 698 pound, big pun, died of a massive coronary on this date in 2000. In 2010, the Saints beat the Colts 31-17 in Super Bowl 44. And in 2016, the Broncos beat the Panthers 24-10 in Super Bowl 50. Coldplay, Beyonce, and Bruno Mars did the halftime show. Von Miller was the MVP. That gets us through the celebrity birthdays and this day in history. Good morning. And it is that time of morning for your random facts. Mars may be the red planet, but sunsets there are blue. That's interesting. Chicago's population peaked in 1950 when there were 3.6 million people living in the city. Now it's down to 2.7 million. None of the guys in the R&B group Tony, Tony, Tony were named Tony. So why? Nine former presidents didn't have college degrees. George Washington, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Abraham Lincoln, Andrew Johnson, Grover Cleveland, and Harry Truman all were self-taught men and were president. The word disaster comes from the Italian disastro, which translates to evil star, because in astrology it was considered unlucky to be born under a bad star. Truly random. Those are your random facts. Good morning. Well, here's something you don't hear every day. A woman was rescued from a garbage truck. What the, what's that about? A uh, New Hampshire woman f- had fallen into a bin while dumping her trash. You sure she wasn't dumpster diving? Anyway, apparently she fell into this bin and was rescued from inside of a garbage truck that had picked up the bin. Can you imagine following in, falling into a bin uh, right on time for the garbage truck to come by and put you into the truck? On top of that, the driver had uh, compacted the trash four times with her inside before she was rescued. She could have been smashed. This is the uh, battalion chief, Bob Boudot, and a witness talking about what happened. It's alarming because you don't really think it's true. You don't think it really happens. It came pick hours up over here, and um, he heard screaming and stuff like that. So we thought you know, something really bad was out there happening. Yeah, definitely never nothing but raccoons, maybe little critters in there. They're not all spooky, but never a person in there. I talked to the driver. He seemed to be okay. It's not the first time this has happened to him. That was definitely one for the books. Wow, and so the trash driver, the garbage truck driver, saw the woman finally, and uh, I guess they have a camera back there, finally saw her, heard the screams, got her out of there, and she only had minor injuries, and she's going to be all right. But she does smell rather bad. Good morning. Ever caught someone doing a good job? Tell us about it. Jolie Sanders of Arizona found out that she couldn't donate her kidney to her brother Frank because she wasn't a match. So she decided to donate it anyways to someone who was a match in Chicago. That man, Tony Gonzalez, found out his wife Tracy was a match for Jolie's brother Frank. So they swapped kidneys basically. She sent her kidney to Arizona for Frank. And now both men are off dialysis. Here they are speaking and meeting for the first time over Zoom. Here we are today, and I couldn't thank Banner, Banner um, Hospital for taking care of me. Actually, you guys, it's been a long journey. 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's working for you. I tried staying healthy the entire time. <laughs> I Wow, pretty cool. She tried to donate. Her kidney wasn't a match. But then she said, well, I'll donate it anyway to somebody who needs it. Turns out the recipient's wife was a match for her own brother. So it all worked out splendidly in the end. It is caught doing good. If you got a good story out there, we'd love to tell it. Email it to show at IkeWingate.com. It's time for Stranger Than Fiction. Well, this sounds like a joke, but it's real. A... Naked woman walked into a convenience store armed with a potato peeler. And yes, it was in Florida. And yes, she was inebriated. 35-year-old Cecilia Barrett waltzed into a store in St. Petersburg and started yelling about getting kicked out of the same store a day earlier. She threatened two workers with that potato peeler. What was she going to do? And said that she was going to expire them. Uh, She also toppled a display of Red Bulls, tore open a carton of cigarettes. An employee finally called the cops, and they arrested her. Apparently, she admitted she had six shots of liquor. You sure it wasn't more? She's facing charges of aggravated assault, disorderly intoxication, trespassing, criminal mischief, and indecent exposure. But she does get points for being really good at peeling potatoes, apparently. That is stranger than fiction. Good morning. And we are back in studio. Greg Thurman, Thurman and Flanagan. We are talking law. Greg, you've told us uh, about the different courts, you know, district courts, circuit courts, but there's also different types of, say, attorneys. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely, I can. Again, thank you for having me in studio. Uh, there are different roles that attorneys play in these courts. Let's go back to district court. Uh, district court, again, is a court primarily designed to handle our criminal misdemeanor docket. In that court, you are going to have the prosecuting attorney office involved. Now, depending on if it is a charge that happens in the county, you would have the county prosecutor or one of the county prosecutor's deputies handling the case. If it's a charge that happens within the city, you may have the city attorney acting as the city prosecutor that presents that case and prosecutes that case on behalf of the city. So you've got two different types of prosecutors that appear in district court. And then you have, of course, private attorneys like Chris Flanagan that defend people in district court against Mr. Charges, and you also have public defender's office. In Carroll County, we have a public defender's office. That public defender also has deputy public defenders, and so the deputy public defenders are the ones that typically end up in district court uh, defending those that, that qualify for a public defender to be appointed. And that is, of course, they have to fill an affidavit with regards to their assets and income to see if they qualify for a public defender to be appointed to represent them, because in our system, you are entitled to whether you can afford one or not, to an attorney to represent you when you've been charged criminally, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony. Can I ask you, is there a difference between, you always hear, you know, the district attorney and some of these cases, is there a difference between a district attorney and a prosecuting attorney? Well, yes and no, Ike. For instance, in Carroll County, we are the 19th East Judicial District. And that encompasses all of Carroll County. So we have a prosecutor who is the district attorney. Okay. He is the attorney that gets elected to be the prosecuting attorney for the district. And since this district is only one county, 
We also tend to call them the county prosecutor because they prosecute all of the county cases in circuit court, as well as the misdemeanor cases in the district courts, like I spoke of. So in Carroll County, we have Tony Rogers, who is the elected district attorney for our district, the 19th Judicial East District. But because that district just encompasses one county, we tend to also refer to them as the county prosecutor. Okay. Some districts have multi-counties in them. Boone, Marion, Baxter, that district, judicial district, is a multi-county judicial district. And you're going to have a district attorney that gets elected to serve all those counties to prosecute those cases. In those districts, I suspect they're not called the county attorney, uh, you know, county prosecuting attorney as much as as they are in in a county, in a judicial district in which only one county exists. That makes sense. I think it's important uh, for, for people to understand that when it comes to the criminal side of most cases, it is the state district attorney or the city attorney that has the burden of proof when it comes to the charges that they brought against the defendant, either the public defender or the deputy public defender or the private attorney that's representing that defendant, they don't have any burden of proof. The burden of proof to prove the charges beyond reasonable doubt falls on the state and the prosecuting attorney, either the city or the county prosecutor or district prosecutor is the correct term. But that's where the burden is. The burden is not with the public defender's office defending that person. It's not with that private defense attorney defending that person. Which basically means if they're bringing a case against against somebody. It's the responsibility of the state to prove the case. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty, and it's their responsibility to prove that. That is correct. And the way I always have thought of it is you think about the scales of justice. At the end of a a case in which the state is charging somebody criminally, there should be cinder blocks on one side of that scale. There should be no doubt, no reasonable doubt as to whether or not that person is or is not guilty as charged. In a civil case, you have the preponderance of evidence. And the way I always have looked at that and was taught in law school is if you have the ladies, you have the lady of justice and the scales of justice, and you have a thousand grains of sand on one scale and a thousand grains on the other, the plaintiff in the civil case, which has the burden of proof, needs to have one more grain of sand. 1,001 okay. is preponderance, just a little bit more. But the state, when it comes to charging somebody criminally and proving them guilty criminally, it's cinder blocks. Okay. So criminal cases, beyond a reasonable doubt, it has to be evident, for lack of a better term. But in a civil case, it's not as much. Why is that? The burden of proof is less, and it is the preponderance of evidence. And that is because a lot of times when you're dealing with civil cases, it's between two private parties and freedom is not at stake in those Mm cases. Uh, You know, you're not talking about taking somebody and locking them up, taking them away from their livelihood. You are talking about a civil dispute that is broken out between these two parties or corporations or whatever. And we have a burden of proof that says we're not going to hold the party bringing it to the high standard uh, that we hold the state to because at the end of the day, the, the consequences of losing the case are not the same. That's very helpful. I didn't know that, but it is easy to see in some of the cases where you go, how is there enough evidence to do that? But it's the threshold is not as high, which is good for all of us if we're ever tried in a criminal case. I think the best way to look at it, you know, for those listeners that are older like me is the OJ Simpson case. You know, he was found not guilty criminally. Okay. There, that jury found there weren't enough cinder blocks, but 
when the the family brought a wrongful death claim, which was a civil claim against him, preponderance of the evidence, they found that there was that grain of sand on yeah. the scales of justice and, and a judgment was entered against him. And so that's a, a case I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with where you've got the criminal standard and you've got the civil standard. And there's there's a big difference between the two of them. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Every lawyer dreams they have in that moment. All right, very good. Thank you, Greg, for being in studio. Extremely educational and helpful for understanding these types of things. And uh, we look forward to it again next week right here on Talking Law with Thurman and Flanagan. Thank you, Ike. Well, this is Super Bowl week, my friends. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. You know, people talk about the game between the Chiefs and the Niners, yet it's also about the entertainment, the ads, the advertisements. I hardly ever get to really pay attention to them, you know, because people are talking and stuff if you are at a party or have some people over, even if it's just your family. And so usually I don't even see the ads till afterward. But this year, a lot of ads coming out ahead of time, or at least being teased. Among those is one for Hellman's Mayonnaise with Kate McKinnon. Her cat turns into an overnight star for meowing mayo. Take a listen uh, to the ad right now. Leftover chicken, scallions, cheese. What am I going to make with this? Mayo. Mayo. Hellman's. You can talk. And then she says, and boom, Hellman saves the leftovers. Now, our keynote speaker. Okay, so if you are a cat fan, (laughs) you're going to like that. Uh, And if you love cats and you love mayo, uh, then that one is for you. It will be airing during the Super Bowl this Sunday. Good morning. Decisions, decisions. Which decisions do we struggle with the most day-to-day? Some some decisions are big. Some do actually require consideration, but others aren't big, but we struggle. We struggle to make certain decisions. A new poll looked at the top everyday decisions that we struggle with. Number 10, social-related decisions. 18% say they struggle about whether or not to, you know, gra- grab a, you know, a bite to eat or a drink or something like that, a coffee. Or just to uh, stay home. Number nine, personal hygiene. Like, do you have time to take a shower? Apparently, that's a that's a struggle. Really? Okay. Uh, how to organize your day? Twenty five percent of people struggle with that. Whether spending money on something is worth it? That's thirty one percent at number seven. Uh, other decisions that we struggle with: our morning routine and what order to do stuff in. Thirty two percent had that problem. What to buy at the store? Thirty six percent. Thirty seven percent. Struggle with what to wear, right? That's why people like, you know, the the former Apple, Tim, uh, not Tim Cook. Who am I thinking of? You know what I'm talking about. Apple founder Steve Jobs. He would wear the same thing every day because he wanted, he did not want to exert any additional mind bandwidth on something that small. So he just wore the same thing every day. So he had, like, the same outfit over and over and over in his closet because he didn't want to direct brain power to something that simple. But 37% of people struggle with it. Decisions related to a hobby you have, that's 39%. What to watch on TV, number two at 40%. And then what to eat. 44% of people have trouble deciding what they should eat on any given day. So we are indecisive on things like 
what to eat, what to watch, and our hobbies and what to wear and what to buy at the store. Those are your top five everyday decisions that we struggle with. <laughs> uh, just eat, eat the same thing every day, wear the same thing every day, you'll be fine. Good morning. Well, here is a list to compare yourself to and whether or not you are middle-aged. Yeah, you see these things on like Facebook or whatever, like add a point for every state that you've been to or every food that you've eaten. Well, add a point for every statement that matches you to determine how middle-aged you are. There are 15 things, okay? So if you answer yes to any of these, that's a point. You can't sleep past 9 a.m. Is that you? If so, add a point. You can't start a movie past 9 p.m. You call your children for tech support. Uh, You used to fix typos with whiteout. Again, these are points for how middle-aged you are. You've called a 30-year-old a kid. That's a point. You swap ailment stories with your friends. That's a point. You write appointments on a paper calendar. That's a point. You're not quite sure how you got that bruise. (laughs) That means you're middle-aged, I guess. You gain weight just by being near food. I understand that. You go to the bank to make a deposit rather than doing it on your phone. They say that means you're middle-aged. You've taken a keen interest in bunions and corns. Okay. You've dialed a rotary phone before. Well, that gets a lot of us, doesn't it? Here's another sign that you're middle-aged. You still have a landline. And then the final item is you can't find your glasses because they're sitting on top of your head. If you have done any of those things, that's a point. And, you know, if you got over seven of those, according to this list, you're very middle-aged. Aren't we all? Good morning. Hey, I want to tell you about another podcast I'm doing, one that is shining a light in the dark corners of our media, our government, and our culture. It's the Ike Wingate Show. You can find it at IkeWingate.com. Please subscribe to it, listen to it. It's a longer-form, unfiltered podcast that delves deep into the issues that are happening in our culture. So check it out, please. Hey, thanks for checking out the Ike Wingate Morning Show podcast. It's an honor to know you've been listening and hanging out with us. We know you got choices, and believe me, we appreciate that you made this choice. We'd love to spread the word. We need your help with that. Leave us a review, rate us, whatever you can, because that'll help spread the word on the show. You want to contact us? Hit us up, show at ikewingate.com. We're on Insta. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. Just type in the Ike Wingate Show. Have a great day.